Welcome to the Pandemic Show. Stories of the pandemic for people living in the pandemic. Thanks for joining us as we unite humanity through stories of hope, connection, and community in the face of the global pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe, and follow the Pandemic Show on social media. G'day, and welcome to the Pandemic Show. We're transcending time and space to talk with Greg. Godovitz of Gado, bass player, singer, writer, producer, radio host. Greg, absolute honor to have you here on the Pandemic Show. No one's alone on the Pandemic Show. Thank you <laughs> so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, Dave. This is great, man. I'm enjoying doing these these shows. Fantastic. You know? When we found out that we were lucky enough to get to talk to you, not only about your new book, Up Close and Uncomfortable, but your experiences in the pandemic. We sent a request to the Psychedelic Pete Show in Kitchener on 98.5 CKWR just so we could have some music around the bonfire on Saturday night to get us all jacked up for the interview. (laughs) And he was kind enough to play Cock On and Sweet Things. And he was just sharing Gatto history, a history of of the band and all of your different projects and antics over the years. It's a real pleasure to have you here. And just shout out to Psychedelic Pete. Yeah, well, hello, Pete. Pete's been playing you forever that's great that's how i got turned on to your to to your whole scene one of the things having done some research about you and your life that really jumped out is your lighthearted approach to serious matters in one article it talked about how with some health issues your hands i have in the last five years developed this uh thing called duputrin's contracture and what it is, it was known in the old days as a trigger finger back in the Wild West. And it was known as the Vikings disease because people from that part of Europe, Scandinavia and stuff, and into the area where my people came from, they're more apt to get this. And it's, it is a disease, but it's nothing catchy or anything. I've had two operations on my right hand and everything was fine. But now I got it again and I can show you, but they can't see it. But you see, you see how my thumb is crooked? Yep. I can't even hitchhike anymore because they don't know which direction I'm going in. You know? So, I mean, most people would get massively upset about the fact, you know, I've got it in my right, in my left hand as well. In my little finger now, it's all bent over. I'm showing Dave this, folks. You guys at home can't see this, but oh, it's horrible. Ostensibly at the moment, I cannot really play guitar up to the level or bass of, of what I'm used to. But it's like my friend Eddie Kramer said to me, you've written a couple hundred songs, a couple of which are pretty good. (laughs) He (laughs) says, and you still sing like a bird, hire a bass player. When we finally go out, that's probably what I'm going to do is get one of my friends to come in and play bass. And then I could become the worst lead singer since Liam Gallagher from Oasis. (laughs) I think you've got him beat. Don't worry about that. Just standing there with my hands behind my back like he does, you know. How has the pandemic changed your life it's affected so many people in so many different ways a lot of people are saying it's given them a slower pace of life to focus on the important things family other people economic problems and the pandemic stressful a challenge how's the pandemic affected your life well in all of the above ways that you just said i mean family i mean we can't have anybody over 
I, I see my daughter and my granddaughter once in a while. I haven't seen my son in ages and my granddaughter. Mrs. Claypool and I are so social. We always have a house full of people. We have a group of people that goes out for dinner every week. So for over a year now, we haven't seen them. Occasionally, it'll be at the end of the driveway. I mean, fortunately for me, even though my hands are messed up right now, there's no work out there anyway. So is this really affecting me in that respect? No. What I'm doing with my time, and I can still do it, is I'm writing a third book. I just thought instead of having to worry about going out and gigging every weekend and going on tour and stuff, I can't do it anyway. So I might as well sit down and do what I'm getting pretty good at and write part three of my memoirs. It hasn't, I, I have noticed this. Before the pandemic, caught a guy going through our garbage bins with a miner's helmet on with the light on it, looking for bottles to take back to the store. So I one day I caught him and I said, hey, look, dude, you don't have to run off. I'll, every two weeks, I will leave the bottles in a bag for you to pick up. You don't have to go through my garbage. So that was all well and good. And he came over and he grabbed a bag of wine bottles and throw them in. Now, <laughs> I should really even admit this. Now, every two weeks, I drag the bag full of bottles like a dead body <laughs> down to the curb. <laughs> so so have, we, have we upped the ante on wine consumption? Yes. Uh, I think this, the phrase, it has to be five o'clock somewhere starts at about five in the morning around here, right? So I have been overindulging, but I've been overindulging in one way or another my whole life. So it's no real different. You're not like Elton John. You haven't lost 40 pounds during the pandemic. Actually, I saw a picture of Elton yesterday on his birthday and he looks fantastic. We were scheduled to go, well, we were at his last show in Toronto. His brother-in-law, John uh, Furnish, is a, is a Big Gatto fan. And in fact, Elton's husband, David, used to come and see his play too. Uh, so Elton's company in uh, Rocket Entertainment in London, we got tickets. So we had good seats. We were all scheduled to meet him after the show. And unfortunately, John and David's mother passed away that night. So they weren't even at the show. And of course, Elton being the consummate performer that he is, he didn't even mention it. He just played for three hours. I, I have so much respect for that guy. You know, he's one of the greats. Takes a great to know a great. <laughs> well, I'll reserve judgment until I meet him and see how that goes. But, you know, I've met a few of my heroes over the years and everything went really good. So he, he made a valuable contribution to Billy Elliot that was at the Stratford Festival in 2019. That was a great great musical production. Are, have you thought about working on a musical production? I've heard some rumors on the internet that a comedic musical might be something that you're, uh, it's actually, on your radar. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've had something in floating around in my head for a number of years based on, of course, the music business at club level. And then comedy come drama, come musical, based on a rock band traveling in a van from one venue to the truck stop on the road to wherever the next thing is, and then arriving at the next club. And the whole thing would go right across the stage like it was actually moving. Oh, wow. And I'm calling it the van. The, the van would be, the band van would be the star of the show and what goes on inside it when the guys are traveling. I've written now two books. I've written umpteen newspaper and, and other articles and stuff. I've written 200 songs and recorded most of them. I want to do something different. You know, I want to try try my hand at that. And also, I started working years ago on a children's novel. Oh, really? For my daughter's uh, teddy bear, I wrote this story about the little bear that couldn't talk, but he could do everything else and he could fly and everything. I recently found it and I went, I'm going to finish this because... You could just, McCartney does it. And if he, well, he could do it, I could do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Your creative juices are really flowing. 
during the pandemic and this time of being at home and the isolation is giving you uninterrupted time to, to focus on these projects? Well, you know, when I'm not drinking wine or sleeping, yes, or cooking, although Mrs. Claypool does most of the cooking here, but thank God for that. I mean, try to stay busy. I got the, the, the shot, the vac- vaccination yesterday. Oh, congratulations. You've been vaccinated now. I called my doctor a number of times and asked them about, hey, when do you know when do I get one? And they said, you're, you're not ready for it yet. <laughs> well, I am, but I'm, yeah. I'm not the right age. And then yesterday, a friend of mine that owned the Orbit Room in Toronto, great, great nightclub, him and Alex Lifeson owned it. And uh, he, he contacted me. He says, hey, just up the street uh, at, uh, at a college in Scarborough, they've got a, a big vaccination clinic. So I was driving around and I saw it and I went, you know what? I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. I grabbed my health card. Parking was free, which blew my mind. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I walked in and there was nobody in line. You know, you can see a couple of people behind me and a couple of people coming out. And it was in this massive gymnasium. She says, have you got an appointment? And I said, no, I just found out about this today. I said, but you don't look like you're very busy. She says, come on in, go register over there. Basically right off the street. And 20 minutes later, after I sat in a chair for 15 minutes, I was out of there. Well, that's great to hear that Toronto is getting vaccinated because that sense that is where the hotspot is in Ontario. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are not paying attention out there. Uh, And it's funny because I didn't expect that I'd start writing my third book about a pandemic. But uh, but, you know, with the pandemic, like I'm I'm in my office now and I'm howling with laughter, this cackling laughter coming out. And Mrs. Claypool comes in. She goes, what are you writing? And I said, I'm writing about what happened when we went to the graveyard the other day to walk around. And then we almost got attacked by uh, two coyotes. Oh, wow. And And she says, and you find that funny? (laughs) <laughs> two of them we were walking we left our car outside of the the graveyard it's just by our house we just wanted to go for a nice walk and they are they're nice places of course my mom and dad are there so i could pop by and say hello we walked up a hill we had no cell phones we had no weapons we had <laughs> nothing we had no masks and all of a sudden i look and i see these two dogs at the top of the hill putting their attention on us and they start coming and i went those are koi wolves and I knew that they were in mating season and probably very hungry. <laughs> we sort of backpedaled. And then this woman pulled up. I said, hey, lady, we, there's a couple of coyote wolves coming at us. I said, can you please let us in your van? And she goes, you don't have masks on. I'm sorry. I said, oh, okay. So it's okay for us to get eaten out here. That's all right. You know, she started to drive away and then she stopped and said, hop in. And we dove into the truck and sure enough, they went running right by us. So I don't know how that would have ended up. You know what they say, Dave, time plus tragedy equals comedy. You raised a good point. Very interesting point. How with the pandemic, getting help from strangers, getting help from others, that's, that's, that's a different game than it was pre pandemic. One of the ways I've been dealing with the social isolation I need to make sure I shield my family. So I have yeah. to be responsible. I don't want to bring it home. I have gathered at times with friends outside, physically distanced around a bonfire. There was a couple that had felt the pull of family. They'd been living on Salt Spring Island. One of their jobs disappeared because it's in the hospitality industry. So they were driving across Canada and they wanted to park. They needed places to park in their van and trailer that they were living in. So I said that no problem. Come into the laneway. We'll get you set up. We can have a bonfire. The ground had started melting and my lawn chair went and I was teetering on my chair. It seemed for 10 to 15 seconds. In before times, it would have been enough time for either one of them to come over and, and save me. But because of COVID, they had to stay where they were and I had to fall backwards. Luckily, I didn't get hurt. But it's interesting that you say that when you need help now in the pandemic, it's it's different rules than in before times. After the first lockdown, we went to a movie theater one day because it was a green light. 
And it was a huge cineplex. There was nobody in the building. Maybe, I think the theater that we went into was the only one showing a current movie. And there was like five other people in the whole theater. You know, we didn't even stop to get popcorn or anything. All of a sudden I hear somebody talking loudly. I thought it was bleeding in from another theater. It was this idiot in this third row having an argument on his cell phone during oh, the boy. movie. I went down and I said, hey, look at pal, you know, we didn't pay to come in. It's been four months since we've been to a theater. We don't want to listen to you. Can you take it outside? He looks at me like I'm something under his shoe and he gets up and he, he walks into the tunnel. I go sit down and now he's shouting in the tunnel. And that's and echoing. It's twice as loud. <laughs> so I Problem down. not solved. I walked down and I said, look, pal, now you got to get the hell out of here. He starts screaming at me. This is important and swearing. And I said, this is not important. We don't care about what's going on. And then he went into a fighting stance. I said, you got to be kidding me. You know, here's a young guy. I'm 70 years old. And here's this young guy now, you know, going to, he wants to beat me up because he's messing up. I just bypassed him. I said, I am not going to do this with you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go call the cops and have you arrested. That's what I'm going to do. Anyway, that never happened. But are we going to go back to a theater? People are bloody stupid out there. People's judgment is clouded. The isolation is really wearing people down. Yeah. Thank goodness. I think Springs arrived just in time. Uh, when you yeah. when you see how people are behaving online, you see these anti-mask crowds. It sucks for all of us, but we want to make sure that as many of us make it through this as yeah. possible. We don't want to leave anyone behind. But some yeah, people are just being so selfish. Those types of things are happening. It's unfortunate. I, I'm in the post office about three times a week shipping out copies of my new book. About a month ago, this guy walked right past me who looks like he was an extra in Vikings. He was just this big guy, long, straggly hair. He looked like trouble. No mask on, nothing. He's turning around looking like, you're going to say something about me button in line? I turned around to the guy behind me. I said, can you believe this idiot? And the guy behind me went like, shh. And he says, this guy is a psycho. And I went, this is out of control, you know? We have to be able to talk to each other, even the people that are boiling over with anxiety and yeah. mental health And just uh, looking issues. for a fight. Yeah. You know, looking for an, ex like road rage, for instance, is really pandemic. I mean, you don't want to give anybody the finger when they're driving beside you for infractions because they could open their window and shoot you or crash into you. People are not acting properly. <laughs> and for good reason. I mean, we're all we're all on house arrest. And all most of us, us haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> and most, well, most of us, yeah, have not done anything wrong except live in this era. These angry people, I wonder if they haven't found their particular niche in terms of artistic expression. Working on the pandemic show, talking to artists like yourself, that's helped me. I feel mentally sharper. I feel like I'm getting... Some of my mental needs met. I wonder if some of these anti-mask crowd, if there was less barriers to art, if they could get some resources to paint a picture or if they had some could express themselves musically. I wonder if that would help them like it seems to be helping so many other people. Artistic expression is helping people get through this isolation, get through the pandemic. I, I wonder how we could encourage those people to pick up a guitar or a paintbrush or a microphone. Well, I agree with that, but artistic things like that come from people who are artistic anyway. That's that's why there's the guy on stage and 500 people in the audience, because <laughs> those other 500 people would like to do what the guy on stage is doing. Not You've all seen, of us can write, you know. Good point. You've seen some big crowds. Yes, I have. 
What are some of the biggest crowds you've seen in your life? Even in Flood, we did a, a gig at Nathan Phillips Square. We had 50,000 people at it. Wow. Just to see us. And then, and then we played the World Music Festival with Gatto, with Ted Nugent, Narrowsmith, Nazareth, and Johnny Winter. There, there was over 50,000 people at that one. I'll tell you, the nice thing about that is when 50,000 people like you, it's a really nice sound. <laughs> but, you know, after we played, the Ramones came on and they didn't like them at all. That's a sound you don't want to hear is 50,000 people that don't want to hear you. It just boggles the mind that we went from a world where you'd see crowds of 50,000 plus and now you don't see crowds of more than five. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I have to be honest. I love my baseball, man. Go Jays, go. Two, two years ago, I think we went to 30 games, you know, oh, wow. then watched the rest of the, I mean, I just love my Blue Jays, man. I, I still have my tickets from last season. My op- home openers are on the fridge from last year. <laughs> They're never going to get used, of course. If somebody said to me, okay, now you've got the vaccine. Would you go to a ball game? My answer would be no, not a chance. To a concert? No, not a chance. I think it's going to be another year until people... Or more. I was there when they won the World Series the second time in Toronto. A highlight of my life. Yeah. I'll never forget that. My dad was at the first game at the the old Exhibition Stadium when it it snowed that day. Fantastic. My dad dad was down there. He's a dyed-in-the-wool baseball fan. He, He took me to the old Maple Leaf ballpark down on the lakeshore for a game when I was really little and told me that that's where uh, Babe Ruth hit his very first major league home run. He hit it over the, into the, into the Lake Ontario. So somewhere out there years ago, there was a ball worth about $50 million. (laughs) Exhibition stadium too. That was a great place to watch a game or see a concert. That's the first place I saw Aerosmith. Yeah. Well, that's where I played with Aerosmith, you know, and, and it was, uh, it was a thrill. I mean, fortunately for us, we went on second. So we were real fresh. By the time Aerosmith went on, they couldn't even walk. It was really disappointing because I love that band, but you don't headline in front of 50,000 people and show up so drunk you can't even stand up. That's just wrong. Do you have a message for your fans? What would you want to tell the fans now in terms of this pandemic? Do you have a message of empowerment for those of us out there? Well, I went around for the first month of the lockdown. I have a a YouTube, Greg Godovich YouTube channel. And I think about 25 of these things where I went around with Mrs. Claypool with a guitar. Uh, in fact, the, the first one was around this time. I did one in front of the old Nobile Hotel that they were they were tearing it down. And I did it like a, you know, a pandemic PSA about wearing your mask and washing your hands. Then I sang one sweet thing or something. And it took off. I just noticed today it's up to 23,000 views. So that's, that's pretty good. It's just like I said in all of them. You know, at the end of them, I'd say, hey, look at, you know, Stay away from people, wash your hands a lot, wear a mask, you know, let's get through this, you know. Whether or not we ever return to normal remains to be seen, but we all have to do our bit in order to do that. I don't feel any different than I did yesterday before getting the shot. It seems that depending on which superpower your country's closest to has an impact on how your country deals with the pandemic. Talking to Gareth in Perth, Australia, they're going to local shows. Yeah. They're, they don't have to wear masks anymore. There's no more COVID. If, if a case creeps in, they go back and they do a strict lockdown to get rid of it. Around Asia, Australia, they've taken a much stricter approach than in North America. With what was happening south of the border early on in the pandemic, there was no direction. C- Canadians aren't the problem. And not all Americans are the problem, but there's a real 70 odd million people still voted for Donald Trump. We canceled CNN because I said, if I have to look at that guy one more time and listen to the just the hideous stuff he comes up with, the hate. Not only that, he's stupid and he's hateful and he's violent 
and he's going to lead America into destruction, which is, I mean, just look what happened on Capitol Hill. I actually cancel. I said to Cheryl, cancel CNN. I don't want to watch American news. I don't watch Fox. I watch BBC if I want to watch news at all. These days, I'm just avoiding it because I'm getting tired of the word COVID, to tell you the truth. Every show is a pandemic show. I, I am a real positive guy. And this is like a real negative thing. So do I want to, you know, wallow in the negativity? No. I'm going to go visit my pal Eddie and hang out a couple of days. Eddie Kramer and I are going to go out when this is all over and do a two-man show. At oh, wow. Small theaters around Ontario. I wonder, moving forward, if music will be kind of returned to a regional kind of a base. Because we don't know when travel and tourism will open up again. I wonder if one of the trends we'll see is more regionalism. Yeah, I, I can see. I mean, I've noticed from from my travels in the past that every single small town in at least Ontario has a performing arts center or an old movie theater from the vaudeville days that doubles as a live venue. And yesterday we had a Zoom meeting with a really, really top-notch promoter. We discussed the parameters of how to do this thing safely and everything. We, the three of us agreed that this is a winner. I'll go out for an hour and do my dog and pony show, telling stories and singing, making them laugh. Then Eddie Kramer is going to come out and talk about recording Led Zeppelin and Kiss and Jimi Hendrix and all the other things he did, you know? Wow. For four hours, man, talk about losing yourself in something cool, you know? It, it's a tasty recipe. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. I think it's going to serve serve delicious. Yeah, I think so too. Did you ever come across the Perth County Conspiracy or play or be around them in the back in the day? I'm certainly aware of the name back in the hippie, in the Yorkville hippie days, they were around 60s. Uh, I can't say as I ever saw them live, but I also never saw down in Kitchener area was Major Hoople's boarding house. I never saw them. There was a lot of bands passing fancy, even though I knew some of the guys. We were always working. When you're always working, you can't, or else when I was a kid and I was living in Yorkville, I didn't have $3.50 to go into the El Patio to see uh, the poppers or whoever was playing there. What about Ronnie Hawkins? Could you share any special memories you have with, with the Hawk? I got a million of them with him. I mean, he, I met him, we were doing the, I think it was, it was one of the old television shows. It could have been Eileen Bynan or somebody like that. I met him in the green room and I had him laughing. Usually it's him making everybody laughing. Next thing I know, they invited me up to the, the farm uh, up at Hawkstone Manor. And the next thing I know, I, I said to him, you know, Ronnie, people still want to see you. I said, why don't you let me put together a really good band for you? And he went, done. I do have a story that only I was there for. I have a few of them in my new book and the other one too. But one day we were sitting out in back of Hawkstone, not, not where you can see uh, Stony Lake, but the driveway and the woods beyond and this huge circular gravel driveway that he's got. It was really hot and humid. You could hear the crickets, you know, and it was, it must've reminded him of a Southern Arkansas morning. We'd had a little bit of a smoke tobacco there or whatever. We're sitting on the bench and I look down and I see his mother-in-law who is about a million years old. And she's down by my car with a rake. And I said, Hey, Ronnie, I said, what's the old lady doing down by my car? And he doesn't even look over. He says, well, that's mama. She's commencing to stoke something up and fire it up. I said, fire it up. I said, she's awful close to my car. He goes, don't worry about your car, boy. Next thing I know, I hear, and I look down and there's like a small mushroom cloud rising beside my car with this flame because she's poured gasoline all over whatever she's going to burn right beside my car. 
And I look down and she's falling backwards, fortunately, like stumbling backwards. He's still not looking. And I said, I said, hey, Ronnie, the old lady's falling a little bit close to the flames. And he goes, that's all right, boy. She's real dry. She'll burn fast. Shout <laughs> out felt, to Ronnie Hawkins. <laughs> I fell, I fell out. I fell off the bench. I had to hold my stomach because I, I thought I was going to die laughing. It was just a Roddy joke that only I saw. We're over a year into the pandemic. Do you think there's there's things to be hopeful about? Well, there's always things to be hopeful about. I mean, I'm hopeful that I can get proper treatment on my hands and be able to play a musical instrument again. The way I look at it, and I still pick up a guitar or a bass every night when I'm sitting downstairs in my little room and try to get whatever I can out of it because I'm not, not finished yet. But then I think to myself, I had 57 years of playing music. There's not a lot of people that can say that. I broke even. And you play so well. Thanks, man. I'm not going to let this stand in the way. I'm going to figure it, out a way to get around it. As a performer, you have such energy. You're all over the stage. You're rocking hard. You're moving around. You're jumping up and down. You got that big stance <laughs> on your base. You're a very entertaining entertainer. And I look forward to what's next. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that I want to do. You know, rest assured that if, if when I get around to writing this stage play, musical, I'm going to be in there somewhere. I'll be the manager or something, you know, at my age. I think you would make a great manager. The last musical, my, my family, we enjoy musicals. We like to go to the Stratford Festival to see whatever oh, musical they have every year. Love it. Yeah. I had to watch, my last musical was a virtual one. Uh, Maddie Matheson, the celebrity chef in Toronto, he was doing a uh, dessert cooking show and he turned that into a musical and it left me wanting more. It wanted, yeah, cool. it left me wanting a full production. It left me wanting a stage full of dancers and a stage full of singers all at one time. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to, whatever the future, when the future settles down and we can gather worry-free. What do you think after times will look like? Well, I don't think they're going to look anything like before times. That's for sure. There's now... There's not always, always going to be the element of, remember the two years that we went through so far, 2020 and 2021, of how our lives changed almost completely. You mentioned Elton John before. There's a guy that's worth, I don't know what, a billion dollars. He can't leave the house. Now, granted, he's got a nice house, got a whole bunch of them, but you're, you're still a bird in a gilded cage. I've got a great house. I mean, it's full of artwork. You know, but at the same time, I mean, I've seen it. I'm going to go see Elton's art collection. <laughs> you know, yeah. Do I ever? But, you know, uh, we're, we're basically prisoners right now. And I can't see that changing anytime soon. The future is a real mystery. Yes, it is. Yeah. Hopefully we all use this time to improve ourselves, to improve our life's situations. Do you have any ideas on how we can support those people that are breaking down? During the you pandemic? Phone, you phone them. You, phone them. You, look, you look for the telltale signs. You, you will never see me wash my dirty laundry on social media. I just won't do it. I haven't even mentioned anything about my hands and stuff. Because I don't want people coming and go, oh, we feel so sorry. I, I don't need that kind of stuff. But I've seen people on there that you can tell are at the end of their rope. And what I do is I reach out to them and say, hey, let me give you a call and let's talk. You know, Even a couple of famous friends of mine the last couple of days who've had something really weird go on. I, like I could see it and go, you know what? They need a, and I told them, if you're feeling like you did, like you're telling me you did yesterday, you got my number, call me. Let's talk. I'll find a way to make you laugh. And I did, you know? So I, I've been calling a lot of people. When I lived in Calgary, I made some wonderful friends for eight years. And now 
three of them in the last year have died. I'm sorry and to hear that. I felt the worst because I couldn't go and see them. But I managed to talk to them on the phone the day before they passed. At least, I love you, man. I love you, Greg. You know, we got all that out of our systems. I still felt bad when they passed, as you would. I still felt bad that I couldn't go and be with them when they did. But I make a point of every day phoning someone from my past up and surprising the hell out of them and going, hey, man, I haven't talked to you in 10 years. How are you doing? You know, and just letting people know that you care about what they're up, what they're going. How's your life going? You know, that kind of thing. You know, That's a great strategy to help people that are having trouble with the pandemic so they don't turn into the person in the movie theater yelling at their phone with yeah. no sense of respect or social protocols or etiquette. Well, you know, the funny thing about the guy in the theater, he was probably a, a fan of my music, that he was ready to punch the crap out of me when I was just basically giving him some common sense. Hey, we didn't pay to come in here to listen to you. Go outside and talk or yell or whatever you're doing. That's really great advice to the people of the pandemic. If you see people in your social media circles starting to break, call them. If yeah. And reach out to people who are important to you that you haven't talked to. In a and, while. and support small businesses like mine, for instance, shopgreggodovitz.com. We have a number of fabulous items with your name on it. And that's how, I mean, that's how I've been making money for the last year selling. Fortunately, my book came out in late November of last year. So Christmas sales were tremendous for both books, you know. I'm lucky that I had that come out. And then, you know, of course, we got CDs and I've got posters and stuff. that I, I don't know if you've been on the shop, Greg Godovitz site, but there's some, we got a hot sauce that we've got and all sorts of stuff. And you are kind enough that you will personally autograph the books. And if they would like a, a, uh, a note to someone else, they can just mention that in their order. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's true. I, I actually, I have a book sitting over there. And Mrs. Claypool said, do you know this young girl lives about a mile from us? I said, what do you want to do? She goes, let's hand deliver it to her and freak her out. That's what we're <laughs> going to do today. And the other day I called somebody up on their birthday and had a wonderful chat because his wife said, you know, if you could send a note to my husband for his birthday, I said, hell with that, I'll phone him up and sing to him. And and did, you know, I mean, it's like it only takes a second, you know. I cannot thank you enough. What a What a great guy you are. Not what I would expect talking to one of the bad boys of rock. That could have been like just a big show thing too, you know. <laughs> Although I have, I have to admit, I did have my moments of being that guy. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Pandemic Show. And what great advice you've given us to reach out to more people in our networks so we can prevent, yeah. we can prevent some mental health breakdowns, and yeah. we can try to get more masks up over the nose. Yeah, and be gentle out there to each other. I mean, that's and and I'm a big big uh, purveyor of supporting small business. We've listed, I think, a couple hundred small businesses over the last year in Scarborough, where we live, saying, hey, you want a really good Ethiopian dinner? Take out, go to this place. You want to go to a Japanese place? We got this one. You can still go into this place and, and trying to help their businesses. And you know what? It appeared it was working. It actually ended up on the CTV news one night. Uh, and I didn't answer the phone, but it was a reporter trying to get a hold of me. And they, then I, somebody said, you should watch the news. And I did. And they said, there's this crazy musician <laughs> in Scarborough going around, you know, drumming up businesses for, for the small ones, you know. And then, you know, my name came up. And, and I met a guy named COVID Elvis as a, re, as a result of this, who goes around in full Elvis drag. He's a great guy. And he started doing... 
uh, grabbing food for food banks and doing it. He actually came over to my house one day and came over and started singing Love My Tender to one of my neighbors. It was, it was great. That's so, great that you're using your celebrity to help your community and to help small businesses, to keep, get people smiling. We're all in this together, even um, though we're together apart. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And you're doing good with doing this show and getting people like myself on to talk about what we're doing to help. Thanks so much for the positivity, Greg. Okay, Dave, you take it easy, buddy. Thanks for listening to The Pandemic Show. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing The Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the pandemic show.